What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I am your host, Larry Lease. Today we're continuing our series, Shit Out of Luck, how the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, was eventually caught. First, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Check them out today at pondex.com and use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your purchase. And now let's dive right into how the butcher baker was eventually caught. Robert Hansen, who earned the nickname The Butcher Baker, could have been caught for good a decade before he was, saving at least 10 lives. 
The police and courts repeatedly neglected to take the threat seriously. Putting forward the facade of a kindly, upstanding baker, it was all too easy to look the other way on the accusations against him, even as the bodies of women kept being found in the Alaska wilderness. According to New York Daily News, his assaults and murders occurred about every six months, beginning in the early 1970s. He was not caught until 1983, and only then because of a brave girl grabbing the attention of a detective ready to find an answer. New York Times repeated, or reported excuse me, that Hanson lied to anyone in the legal system who might be fooled by his respectable businessman act, allowing him to escape notice even as his guilt became all but impossible to ignore. Assistant District Attorney Frank Rothschild, speaking to a judge, said, Before you sits a monster, an extreme aberration of a human being who has walked among us, not even his wife of 20, year, 20 years, had in any inkling of his dark, evil side. His crimes numb the mind. In 1939, Robert Hansen was born in Esterville, Iowa, to strict Danish immigrants. His father, a baker, to his parents, he was a disappointment. He was naturally left-handed, but his parents saw that as a deviance. They forced him to only use his right hand, underscoring to Hansen that he was born wrong. He credits having to use his non-dominant hand for developing a debilitating stutter. Just as he started getting an interest in women, his face erupted in a horrible case of acne, one that scarred his face. New York Daily News quoted his confession to police, quote, saying, I would see my friends and so forth going out on dates and so forth and had a tremendous desire to do the same thing. From the scars and so forth on my face, you can probably see, I could see why girls wouldn't want to get close to me. Explorer North noted that even one of his victims said he sort of looked like the perfect dork. He joined the Army Reserves in Kentucky to escape Esterville, but in 1959, he returned to Iowa to work long hours in his father's bakery. He developed a misanthropy and misogyny that ruled his life and justified the crimes he would commit. There did not seem to be a time in his life when Robert Hansen wasn't considering punishing the world. According to Robin Bearfield, his position as owner of the bakery allowed him friends who would vouch for him and at times manufacture alibis. Hansen had served stints in jail in the 60s and 70s. As Bearfield notes, he was convicted of arson in 1960 and sentenced to three years after setting the fire to a bus bar. The psychologist at the prison labeled him as having an infantile personality. He was precisely the sort of person who would reoffend and escalate further without severe rehabilitation. His run-ins with the law didn't stop there. He loved to shoplift, and in November 1976, after stealing a chainsaw, Hansen was sentenced to five years in the Juneau Correctional Institute, though with the understanding that he would be eligible for parole quickly if he agreed to receive therapy. Hansen loved shoplifting to a perverse degree. According to Heavy, Psychobiographers detail that he was close to ejaculating in his pants whenever he stole something. Hansen was released after 16 months. Robert Hansen decided that he needed a fresh start. In 1967, he packed up and moved to Anchorage, Alaska. In 1971, he was convicted of assault with a dangerous weapon for trying to assault 18-year-old Susie Heppard, shoving a gun into her back and saying, Shut up, sweetheart, or I'll blow your head off. After Heppard, Hanson kidnapped Barbara Fields and assaulted her, 
She pleaded for her life, and he relented, though he wrote down her parents' address saying he would kill them if she told anyone. In dropping her off, he said he wished that they had met, had met but under better circumstances. Days later, a college freshman's body was found in the ravine near where Hanson had assaulted Fields. So Fields came forward and identified him from a picture. He was arrested. Hanson's minister and friend said that he was harmless, and Fields must have been lying. Hanson's attorney maintained that Fields couldn't be trusted because she used drugs and was a dancer. Those charges were dropped. Hanson was sentenced to five years for Hippard. Dr. J. Ray Langdon, a court-appointed psychiatrist, noted that he suffered from a dissociative mental illness, which Langdon theorized was the source of his criminal activities. He served six months. The New York Times reported that three of the four murders of which Hanson was found guilty occurred when he should have still been serving his sentence. Alaska in this era was a perfect place for a man like Robert Hanson. The 800-mile Trans-Alaskan oil pipeline was being built, attracting up to more than 28,000 men to work on the construction until it was finished in 1977. In short order, strip clubs sprung up with names like Booby Trap, The Gentleman's Retreat, and The Great Alaskan Bush Company. The women who worked in the strip clubs were not locals mainly from the continental U.S., and drawn by the temptation of easy money. They would perform a circuit up the west coast to Alaska and back again, never really staying anywhere long enough to get too attached to the patrons. However, this transience also meant that when a stripper or sex worker went missing, no one thought of it. They just thought they returned to Lower 48 to resume their jobs teaching or simply moved to a different club. Robin Bearfield detailed how this boomtown money caused the population of Anchorage to expand beyond its borders. Since the APD, Anchorage Police Department at the time focused its energy on the city proper, criminals figured out that the police would be bothered less by crimes outside the city limits. And of course, Alaska was remote. One could wander into the wilderness and not see anyone for days. It was perfect for what Hansen had planned. As Robert Hansen saw it, there were only two kinds of women. Good girls and bad girls. Good girls were to be protected and cherished. The New York Times quoted District Attorney Vic- Victor Crum that Hanson considered bad girls inferior, so it was all right to murder them. They lost their humanity in his eyes. Even though Hanson was hypocritically an avid patron of strip clubs and a client of sex workers, it wasn't his fault that he wanted them. It was their fault for letting him. New York Daily News reported that he said, She had to come out and say we could do it, but it's going to cost you some money. Then she was no longer, I guess what you might call a decent girl. According to the last podcast on the left, Hanson's first sexual experience was one that his army buddies bought him. Hanson was dejected that it wasn't special, strictly an exchange of money for sex. He was married twice. Shortly after their marriage, his first wife left him when he was arrested for conspiring with teenage employees at his parents' bakery to... burned down a bus shed in Pocahontas, Iowa. The second woman, Darla Henriksen, whom he married in 1963, was a devout Christian studying to be a teacher. While he was destroying bad girls without qualms, he kept a good girl ignorant at home. Robert Hansen had barely unpacked his bags in Alaska before he started his crimes. In short order, the sex workers he had tried to assault spoke to the police describing the stuttering, acne-scarred man. Hansen was too recognizable to have gotten away with it even once. But 
police saw the choice before them. Who were they going to believe? Bob, the friendly neighborhood baker? Or some transient sex worker? Again and again, they chose Hanson. According to the New York Daily News, the few times that the woman pressed the issue, the police found reasons to ignore them. There were no witnesses to the murder, since Alaska is so vast and empty. In a 1980 murder, according to Explore North, Hanson went as far as to shoot a victim's dog so that the animal would not lead anyone to her grave. The New York Times quoted Judge Ralph Moody of Superior Court, quote, I cannot think of a bigger indictment of society than we have here. Hanson was well known to the courts, including twice on abduction and rape charges. Psychiatrists had pegged, him, pegged how dangerous he could be. Woman had reported him repeatedly, yet they turned him loose several times. The legal system was not his only ally. Robert Hanson got away with his crimes because he projected the image of a kind family man who ran a bakery. One he bought using insurance fraud, according to Explore North. For his disguise to work, he needed his wife and two kids. Darla Heinrichsen swore the hit that she had no idea that her husband was a serial killer. She might have been aware that he had patronized sex workers, but she was a good Christian and would not let his sin cause her to ban abandon her wedding vows. She often spent the summers in Arkansas with the children, visiting family, while Hanson stayed behind. Additionally, according to the cinemaholic, she kept the income she received from teaching, learning disabled kids separate from Hanson's finances. Heinrichsen supported him after he was arrested for trying to abduct Susie Happard and assaulting Barbara Fields. She waited two years after a serial murder conviction to divorce him. So strongly did she believe in the institution of marriage. She was exhausted with her children being bullied about their father and left Alaska behind forever. Now let's take a little quick dive into the modus operandi of Robert Hansen. Robert Hansen would troll the Tenderloin District, a place ruled by organized crime, and the sex trade. The women in strip clubs did nothing more than take off their clothes. They could still be good girls. Whenever they would suggest they were open to sex work, he would offer far over the going rate to leave with them. Once in his car, he would pull a gun and assault them. That wasn't negotiable to him. He told them that if they complied with everything and told no one, he would release them when he was done. Which might be more than a day. According to the Washington Post, if they fought back or argued, he had to murder them. He would sometimes pack them, chained onto his Piper Cub airplane, and fly them into the remote wilderness. There, he would release them. If they tried to escape, that was his invitation to hunt them. Hansen was an award-winning bow hunter and took pride in bagging trophies, after all. Last podcast on the left noted that Hansen contested the accusation of hunting his victims. Yes, he murdered them. But he didn't give them a head start. He killed them at once because they weren't obeying him. Take that as you might, if you believe the word of a convicted serial murderer. And now, a glance at the criminal profile of Robert Hansen. According to the last podcast on the left, in 1980, the police stumbled upon one of Robert Hansen's victims, a woman named Joanna Messner. Unfortunately, a black bear had found her first. When they tried to get the remaining evidence, the bear returned. Given a point, they were given a choice between shooting an endangered animal 
of which there are few, are investigating the death of a sex worker, of which there are many, they backed away. Messina was far from the first body the police had found, but her murder started the wheels turning. Still, Mindhunters noted it was not until 1983 that the FBI's investigating support unit got involved. Police contacted John Douglas with the idea that they had a serial killer. Douglas said, first, tell me about the crimes, and let me tell you about the guy. Douglas's profile bore eerie similarities to Hanson. He had a stutter, and pockmarked face, he had a trophy room containing not only mounted animals, but also objects he had taken from his victims. He may be married to a religious woman and was considered hardworking. The police were aware of Hanson and how precisely he met this description. However, they would need more evidence than criminal profiling to get a search warrant. But all changed when a 17-year-old girl named Cindy Paulson was kidnapped in June 1983. Robert Hanson had several encounters with her, including one she missed because she overslept before he offered her $200 to perform oral sex on him, making her as a bad girl. Soon after she began, she slapped handcuffs on her, then chains. He leveled a gun at her and explained that he wouldn't kill her if she complied. She didn't believe him, but wanted to prolong her life as much as he could. But Paulson wasn't passive. She said in an interview, You see, when we were driving, I observed everything, because this motherfucker wasn't getting away with it. He brought her back to his cabin, where he assaulted her several times, which Paulson heartbreakingly referred to as having made a love on a bearskin rug in an interview with Sergeant Glenn Floth. She didn't fight him, believing that he meant it when he said he would kill her if she tried, as he was indeed a monster. He decided the next day that he would bring her into the wilderness on his plane. She would not be returning from that trip, even though she had done everything he demanded. Robert Hansen handcuffed Sidney Paulson and put her in the back of his plane. When he stepped outside a moment, she bolted. Handcuffs still on, barefoot. Paulson ran until she saw until she hit the road and managed to convince a trucker that she was in danger. Happily demonstrated by Hansen chasing her with a gun, as she described Butcher Baker. The driver wanted to bring her straight to the police, but according to the last podcast on the left, she begged to be driven to the Mush Inn so she could contact her pimp. Still, the driver called the police as soon as he could. According to Robin Bearfield, Anchorage police officer Greg Baker arrived to find Paulson, still cuffed and in a state of terror. She pointed out the plane registered to Hanson. According to Butcher Baker, she described what Hanson looked like. Quote, he's got like frog warts on his face, buck teeth, his car, metallic green Buick Sentry with a cut in the back, and inside of a, his home, and that she left her shoes behind as evidence. The police went to Hanson. Everything about her story checked out perfectly. Hanson told them that she was just some underage sex worker trying to extort him. Hanson also had one of his friends provide an alibi. The prosecutor considered whether a teen sex worker was more credible than pillars of the community. He dropped the charges before they could be filed. Though the police department was only too happy to let off the local baker again, something didn't sit right with Detective Glenn Floth. According to Robin Bearfield, the detective had been assigned to the case of the Connecticut River murders, Robert Hansen's victims, and was convinced there was a serial killer on the loose in Anchorage. He started looking to the other accusations against Hansen, and then obtained his records from Iowa. When he consulted John Douglas's profile, it all came together perfectly. It was almost as though many women had been trying to tell the police 
for years. And according to the lineup, detective heard about Sidney Paulson, who had suffered the same brutality that befell the woman he had been investigating. She had not only managed to survive, but did so with detailed testimony that directly tied to Hanson, even if the prosecutor wanted to ignore it. Owing to Paulson's bravery and quick thinking and Floth's actual police work, they finally had enough to convince a judge to grant them a warrant. Robert Hanson took pride in the animals he hunted. According to the last podcast on the left, the Pope and Young Club stated that he set numerous records for the bow and arrow. He kept his taxidermy in his home, including a record-breaking doll sheep, but his pride in trophies did not stop the animals. According to Robin Bearfield, the warrant allowed police access to Hanson's home and bakery, in addition to his weapons, including one that matched the shell casings left at the crime scenes along the Kinnick River. Police found a cache of jewelry. Among these was a necklace belonging to one of his victims. As John Douglas predicted, Hanson kept items from each of his murders so that he could relieve his domination of his victims. Behind the headboard of Hanson's bed, police found a map marked with 24 X's. Few of them were where bodies had already been found. If this map was what they thought it might be, there were more bodies out there. The police confronted Hanson's alibis with this evidence, saying that if they wanted to keep this lie going, they would be before a grand jury soon enough. His friends quickly recanted. Once arrested, the Washington Post reported Robert Hanson confessed to a steadily increasing number of murders and at least 30 assaults. He understood that police had all they needed to put him away for the rest of his life. Alaska actually does not have the death penalty right now, so death was not on the line. Hansen was tried for the four murders with the most substantial evidence, receiving a 461-year sentence plus life with no possible possibility of parole. He was not tried for all 17 murders that he confessed to, ordered to, according to Heavy, spare his wife and two children the embarrassment of protracted legal proceedings. His memory for where he buried the woman was so perfect that he was often within feet of a grave he had not seen in years. According to Alaska Dispatch, Hanson began his sentence in Pennsylvania, wanting to avoid being locked up with men whose girlfriends he may have killed, but was returned to Spring Creek Prison in Alaska in 1988, where he remained until his death at 75. Frank Rothschild, the assistant district attorney on his case, told Ingrid Daily News, quote, he's one of those kind of guys that you kind of hope every breath he takes in his life, there's some pain associated with it. A few positives of this case, according to Robin Beerfield, are that it inspired Alaska State Troopers to create methods to deal with sexual assault victims, and they built a $56 million crime lab to process evidence, neither of which existed previously. And as always, if you or anyone you know has been a victim of sexual assault, there is help available. Visit the Rape Abuse and Incest National Network website or the National Helpline at 1-800-656-4673. They're here to help you. But that is all we have for this episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Let us know your thoughts on this case. Um, do you remember hearing about these crimes in the past? Were you around when Hanson was active? Perhaps you're from Alaska. I actually personally lived in Alaska, and I, I was in the um, Connect River, Anchorage-ish area, so I kind of knew exactly where he was hunting all those people. But uh, leave a comment in the comment section below. Give us a thumbs up. 
hit that like button and please do subscribe to the channel. I'm trying to get to at least a thousand likes before my birthday on April 8th. Or a thousand subscribers, I mean, by April 8th. I believe it's possible. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps podcast, and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com/tcnn, or become a patron at patreon.com/True Crime Never Sleeps. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.